Hello everyone, I hope you all have been enjoying this season of Yala Rocks and all of our amazing teachers for the 2021 bundle that you've been hearing from so far. If you have been, then make sure to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast player so you're sure to not miss a thing. Today's guest is Prue, the dancer behind the Dance Safe Project, who will be coming into the 2021 bundle with her Anatomy for Belly Dance course and a live workshop on managing back pain. Knowing why your body moves the way it does is a great way to level up your practice and to make sure that you are taking care of you. Our bodies bring us through this dance, so let's learn a little bit more about them. Hello, dancers, and welcome to Yala Rocks, the belly dance podcast that helps you design your personal practice. It's Tiffany, and today with us, we have Prue from the Dance Safe Project. Prue, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited for people to get to know you and to learn more about the Dance Safe Project. But before we get into anatomy and all that goodness that we're going we're gonna to dive into here, can you tell us a bit of your background in Middle Eastern dance? How did you find it? How did it become a career for you? You know, how did it go from hobby to this is what I do now I'm creating the Dance Safe Project. Give us the, the backstory of Prue. Oh, the backstory of Prue. Well, it all began in 1986, I think, when my mum sent me to ballet classes um, and there I stayed in that formal dance training um, scenario for the next nine years, I believe, until I sort of reached middle teenage years. And then I um, realised I wasn't going to become a professional dancer. Unfortunately, there were lots of other girls in my class that were moving on to the Australian ballet and heading towards professionalism. And I kind of stagnated in my technique, I guess you could say. And being a teenager, I was like, ah, there's things growing. <laughs> ah, I don't want to wear a leotard anymore. And so I stopped dancing. But being a creative person, I had to have a creative outlet. So I started drawing more, um, started pursuing art and then accidentally fell into belly dancing when I was about 19. I, I actually did not realise that there were professional careers available for dancers outside of classical ballet. I okay. think I kind of, yeah, I'd, I'd sort of grown up in this kind of quite sort of sheltered world, I think. And you know, in the classical ballet, it's like there's classical ballet, there's jazz ballet, there's contemporary, and then there's character and tap, and that's kind of it. I didn't realise there was a whole world of cultural dance besides the Eastern European cultural dances that I had been learning in ballet. And um, I, I think I was, I was, I turned into a real little goth at the time, <laughs> and I was going to the, the gothic nightclubs and I was dancing around and I was getting really inspired by, by different things. And these, these were the days sort of before YouTube and social media and whatnot. So I had to use my imagination a lot more, I think. And I went along to this belly dance class and I happened to be quite good at it. And I was like, oh, 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 this is fun. And then I was instantly addicted. And it was only a couple of months later, actually, that my teacher put one of her costumes on me and literally like kicked me out on the stage. And I was like, oh, no. What? Oh, what? What? <laughs> There are people watching, like, I can't, I'm brand new to this. Oh, it was extremely intimidating. And um, coming from that classical background, improvisation wasn't a thing that we did 
mm-hmm. except for for 30 seconds in the exam once a year. And it was absolutely terrifying. But I got the hang of it and I, I was performing professionally around um, Melbourne in Australia as, as well as other places in Australia. And it was an accidental career. They like, always are. Yeah, I really had no, no intention of doing that. And and once I'd been uh, performing for and teaching for quite a while, quite a number of years, I ended up going and doing um, a diploma of dance teaching. And I did this part-time at TAFO for about four years. And it was mostly ballet and jazz and contemporary. But, of course, you can translate um, those skills into any dance form. And it was while I was doing this course that we did a body conditioning component, which was taught by a Pilates movement therapist, and at the same time, I was assisting a ballet teacher who was also working as a Pilates movement therapist. And so then I was launched into this world of Pilates and using the Pilates method as post-acute rehabilitation. So we're not talking about lying on the floor and doing hundreds and puffing and going, oh, my abs are so great. This was all about... <laughs> working with clients that have spinal injuries and pain syndromes and a lot of different things going on in their body that are affecting their everyday life. And it was about using the Pilates method to help them live a pain-free life. So after I finished my diploma, I went on to do my certification as a Pilates movement therapist. And now I have a diploma in that as well. And then um, Last year, 2020, the glorious year that was 2020, I was sitting, <laughs> sitting in my reading corner, looking out the window, watching my chickens frolic around the backyard. And I just, I, I, I came, I thought I'd always sort of been trying to marry the two together, the ballet dance world and the Pilates world. And I'd sort of been doing some Pilates movements in ballet dance classes, but it just wasn't really enough in so many senses. And I think as a, a very dear friend of mine put it, when I, I contacted her and I, I said, oh, I've got, I've got this great idea, but I've been reading about how most people are just existing in lockdown because in, in Australia we, we've been sort of going for, for zero cases, although we're mm-hmm. kind of losing that now. But so we've spent a very long time in lockdown. And she said, your superpower is creativity in times of catastrophe, in, in times of strife. And I went, oh. So then I took this idea of dance safe practices and kind of ran with it and created the dance safe project and mostly because the the idea of dance safe practices or sorry safe dance practices in the belly dance industry in my experience is almost non-existent and yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Tiffany's nodding here <laughs> non-existent and I, and I have had my fair share of injuries over the years even when I've tried to be careful and I think I might have this pathological desire to help other people. <laughs> um, no, might be a character trait. I, I think so. <laughs> I, I really wanted to um, help educate the belly dance community around the globe about better safe dance practices to mm-hmm. reduce injury, especially when so many of our students are older, they might be a little bit mobility challenged and not as a teacher, not knowing how to accommodate for those students, I think is is really detrimental to those students as well as yourself. So that's how the Dance Safe Project started. And it's been going for about just over a year now. And I've been building it and it's been a lot of work, but it's such a great distraction as well. 
Yeah, <laughs> for real. I'm sure it's, it's interesting because so many of us, we don't come to teaching this dance through any kind of real certification because there isn't one no. that it doesn't exist. Right. And it can't really exist because it's a cultural dance. So like, who's going to teach the certificate, you know, like, so we come at it from all these different backgrounds, all these different spaces, mm -hmm. but what I, I do feel like that's something that's missing for a lot of teachers is how do we teach this dance and teach our students and not put them in dangerous positions knowing unknowingly, right? How do mm -hmm. we help them learn this dance and learn it safely? So I think that what you're doing is fantastic, especially because it's based, you know, in, in knowledge. Yes, yes. And I, I think that because it is such an organic dance form, I think so the, the development of a teacher can be very organic as well mm -hmm. um, and, and not in that formal education setting, which of course has its absolute benefits because I feel like in belly dance we're not really um, bound by the rules of a lot of other dance styles like ballet. Yeah. It's like there's rules, rules, rules. There's, there's not a lot of individualism. And the individualism and the organicness of ballet dance, of course, is what attracts so many of us to it. But there are still dangers and there needs to be some sort of formal knowledge um, that a lot of teachers need to seek out so that they can keep themselves and their students safe. Mm -hmm. Because... So I was just going to say that because I don't know about, I'm sure that many of you find that dance is your soul food and without dance, like my husband is like, you are so grumpy when you're not dancing. <laughs> and so I need to dance forever and I need to keep my body um, working functionally so that I can dance forever. And I'd love to do that for other people as well. And I do think like what you said about teachers being able to modify for their students, like, yes, for teachers 100%, but even just as a student, as someone who's learning, like knowing, oh, I'm not gonna do that that way because it doesn't work for me and my body. And like mm -hmm. knowing how to adjust what is happening, not only for the level that you're at, cause we talk about this in one of the other podcasts, like being able to see, be in an advanced class as a beginner and scale it down, be in a beginner class as an advanced dancer and scale mm -hmm. it up, right? Mm -hmm. Having that ability is I think key to learning but then also being able to look at something and be like, oh, that's not going to work for my bad ankle. That's not going to work for my shoulder, right? I yes. have these other things going on and I need, I need to either ask for some sort of accommodation for this move, or I need to know how to deal with it. Yes. And, and one of the things, one of my goals with, especially the anatomy course is to help teachers understand the body, not, not the what, but the how and the why. And once they understand the how and the why, then they can look at that student and the issue that they have, and then they can figure out how they can give a variation for that stretch or that movement to better suit that student because they really understand the underlying issue here and not just, okay, do that if it doesn't hurt. They need to understand the, the, the why is that variation not going to hurt them versus the other version. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yes, absolutely. So one of the things that you've put together with the Dance Safe Project is this Anatomy for Belly Dancers course. Yes. Right. Which is part of the 2021 bundle, which I'm very, very excited about. And I know the listeners are like, yay, Anatomy yay. for Belly Dancers. Like they're yay. all freaking out. Um, well, at least the nerds are freaking out, but I assume that the, the, the nerdy <laughs> dancers are here with us listening to the podcast. <laughs> 
Hello, Nerdy Dancers. Welcome. You're our people. You are our people. Um, so tell us a little bit more about this. Like how, how does knowing this, the anatomy of the body, how does it factor into practice? How does it change the way that we, we move our bodies knowing how they actually function versus just like when I need to do snake arms, I do this, I do this and it works. And you know, you don't know why, and you don't know how, but it functions. So how does knowing the underlying structures really like assist you in practice? Well, I think that when you're doing your snake arms and it functions and then suddenly one day it doesn't. Right. And then you can go, then you can go, oh, why? Okay, let me go back to my anatomy training and let me look at those muscles that are in the shoulder and I can figure out that, oh, I was doing X, Y, Z yesterday and that is called stiffness in this area and then that has impaired this movement, that has impaired the function of joint um, is, is one way that understanding anatomy can benefit you as a, a student, a teacher or a performer. Um, I think that the, the more you know, of course, um, the, the better you can deal with any scenario that comes up, whether it be in your own body or your student's body. Um, and understanding, I guess, the anatomy jargon as well, the anatomy language um, once you understand the anatomy and language, it's like opens up a whole new world to you. When people talk in layman's terms to me now with anatomy, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> because, the, because the language of anatomy, it's in Latin, and that language is so succinct in explaining something about the body. For example, posterior versus anterior. Anterior is at the front, posterior is at the back. Um, and I think that you can communicate better to your students when you have that greater understanding of what your body is doing, how it's moving through space and how it, it can stop moving through space if there is an injury or a pain. And then at the end of the day, you can go, oh, I have a pain in my hip here. Hmm, where did that, okay, let's think about the structure of that hip. Why would I be having stiffness and pain in this area? Hmm, maybe if I stretch this muscle and then that muscle, I can see whether that alleviates that pain. And then you do those stretches, pain goes away. You're like, awesome. Now I have a greater understanding of how that hip functions. Or you stretch those muscles, no change. Okay, let me try something else. I kind of like playing detectives with the body. I feel like that's kind of the case in this entire dance though, is like what, you know, you're, experimenting with your practice you're experimenting with your dance right it's like you kind of play with all of these different elements this is a common theme mm -hmm. <laughs> right throughout the yes. dance is this being a detective what works for you how does it work how do you dance how does releve feel for you what does this particular shimmy do to your knees like mm -hmm. is it good is it bad is it okay maybe i can do that one but not and also walk like maybe that's what causes some issues for me so like or yeah or I'd like to improve my technique on this step how can I improve my technique on this step how can I go one step beyond the teacher going just make it sharper well how can I make it sharper what exercises yes. can I do outside of the dance class to improve the strength of the mobility in that particular joint to improve that to make that step you know sharper or more mobile or go further or whatnot as well and knowing where everything is and how it's functioning allows you to do that from a place of knowledge and not a, well, I guess I'll just do it again and again and again and hope it gets better and sharper. And yes, who knows? I think in thinking you um, hit the nail on the head there from a place of knowledge. 
Awesome. So all of this knowledge that you've kind of acquired over the years through your trainings, through the Pilates movement therapy, how, how do you feel like it's affected your personal dance? Like being a Pilates instructor and knowing, knowing how like Pilates can help the body. Like what has that done to your dance? And I know like it's been something you've done for a long time. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's so intertwined at this point, but when you look at other dancers and, and their technique and like what you're doing, like, how do you feel that having that knowledge has really like shifted the the base for you? Massively. I guess that one of the reasons why I really wanted to go into it um, when I first discovered it was I was having so many unidentified, undiagnosed pain syndromes in my body. And a lot of professionals just could not figure out why I was having these these chronic pain, like we're talking chronic pain every day for years. And I was able to take that knowledge and fix myself and figure out how to fix my pain to the point where I was able to improve my transitions between steps. Um, I was able to improve my balance, my sharpness in my movements, um, all while dancing without pain anymore. I think there's a there's a fallacy when people go, oh, you're a dancer. So you must have a strong pelvic floor. Oh man. Or you're a dancer. You're a belly dancer. Your abs must be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So for example, I trained an Olympic swimmer. She was a breaststroker. She was, you know, the muscles on, on this woman were incredible. And, and she was, you know, swimming at Olympic level and she was in the, the uh, London Olympics. And there was a very, because of her postural type, there was, she was very weak in her hip flexors at the front of her hips. And I got her doing a really simple exercise on a a machine called the wonder chair. And she could barely do it. This Olympic swimmer could not even just move her leg down because she had this discrepancy in her strength caused by her own natural posture. So just because someone is a professional in in a, a physical area like belly dance does not necessarily mean that their body's functioning well, their joints are functioning well, they're pain-free. So for for me personally, um, it was the reduction of pain and that improved and improving my pelvic floor strength, improved my balance and my technique out of sight. And unfortunately, since I've had my children, before I had my children, I was dancing like 30 hours a week. And now I only get a couple of hours in um, because, you know, when you've got mom a couple life. of yeah, mum life and also, you know, my focus has, has moved elsewhere as well. Um, and so now my technique is not what it was before, but I'm using the Pilates mostly to maintain healthy functioning joints um, removing pain because I have a very stiff body so I'm often pushing it into positions in dance that it doesn't really want to go in um and I'm like no you will do that (laughs) we will get there it will get there and I think that especially in ballet you are trained to make it look right but you're not necessarily trained to do it right always Mm -hmm. and so I'm really good at cheating what (laughs) I'm I'm so good at cheating um so what Pilates has done for me is move past that aesthetics. It's not necessarily about how it looks. How is the joint functioning? Are the right muscles doing the right thing at the right time so that that joint is functionally to, functioning to its full capacity and you're not wearing and tearing down the cartilage and the bones in that joint and heading off to 
a delightful world of, of osteoarthritis, which I have already entered into that world, unfortunately. Um, so now, um, as a as a forty year old woman, doing the the Pilates movement therapy in conjunction with the dancing just means that. I was able to go down to the Oval with my kids the other day and do cartwheels because I don't do cartwheels in my everyday life anymore. I don't do Mm -hmm. cartwheels and handstands in dancing. But because I practice Pilates movement therapy, I'm strong enough to be able to go and do a beautiful cartwheel. Although afterwards I was like, oh, (laughs) my shoulder. (laughs) But but that that went away pretty quick. (laughs) So I I think that uh, being able to maintain... Children, if we think about children, the way children move, they just roll yes. over the floor. They, they, their movement is so organic. As we get older, we stop doing it and then we stop being able to do it. Yeah, we and then suddenly pat- our own patterns of movement instead of just absolutely. Like free exploration of the space. Absolutely. Which belly dancers compared to the, the non-belly dancing population, of course, are much, much better at than non-dancers but at the same time maintaining that ability to be able to move naturally be able to sit on the floor comfortably is something that we lose as we get older because we just stop doing it and so the, the type of Pilates I practice enables me to do that cartwheel or sit on the floor comfortably and then when it comes time to dance I, I can move more freely yeah that's there's so many things that you that you mentioned there that I want to touch on like knowing uh, that you know they, people assume all the time our pelvic floors must be amazing. Our abs must be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember mm-hmm. when I, I hurt my ankle several years ago now, um, in a dance class, of course. Uh, and it never, like it wasn't getting better. didn't feel better. So years later I went to physical therapy and I was like, Hey, I'm a, I'm a belly dancer. I have this weird ankle issue. Like I want to work on it. And I remember the PT telling me dancers always have the best injuries. <laughs> was the first thing and then the next thing was dancers ankles are not strong enough for all the shit that they do like not always no (laughs) just like across the board in his experience like we just we don't necessarily train the strength in to Mm -hmm. support all of the crazy things that we're asking our bodies to do and Mm -hmm. you know that underlying piece isn't there so I can see how something like Pilates right something that is has a lot of strength elements to it is therefore supporting so much of what you do in a dance space like that connection hundred percent is so obvious to someone who has had to retrofit that in right yeah. <laughs> like oh okay and you know once I started doing more strengthening with my ankles now I don't have ankle pain anymore and like it flares up every now and then but it's not like it was it was like a chronic mm-hmm. pain right so like having that base of strength. And then um, the other thing that you mentioned was focusing on the aesthetics over the actual movement. I feel like this is, this is probably something that so many dancers do in moves and don't even realize that mm-hmm. the thing. And then they wonder like why the move doesn't feel quite right, or they can't get the extension or the, the, the bigness, right. That they're looking for. It's because the, the move isn't necessarily coming from the right place. So again, I see anatomy here playing in, like knowing where the move is actually Mm -hmm. generating from can help you drive the power in the right place. Oh, absolutely. I had many years of tendonitis in my gluteus medius. So that one of the small muscles right on the side of the hips and tendonitis means um, inflammation, chronic inflammation of the tendon. So the belly of the muscle turns into a tendon and that tendon 
attaches to the bone and that's how our muscles attach to our bones and then that tendon can get chronically inflamed and it's usually that it's usually so because of something called poor movement patterns so that muscle is doing a job that it's not meant to do mm. and the body is really intelligent in that when we have a, a an acute injury so when we've just done an injury the body will find another way to keep moving and using a different muscle to make that movement happen but what happens is when it becomes chronic when that muscle never goes back to doing its correct job it gets very upset and angry and <laughs> And I had all of these assumptions made about me that my external rotators in my hips, so the muscles that put you into first position in ballet, I was doing, you know, dancing 30 hours a week, my external rotators must be strong, so it couldn't be that issue. When in actual fact it was, I was just cheating my turnout. I was using my glute meat in my turnout. And then I go to do um, chonks or um, any kind of hips on the down in ballet dancing and just the pain was just nuts. And then as soon as someone figured out that it was just a movement pattern issue. Within a week, I was out of pain and I had had chronic pain for five years in my glute mead. It's amazing. And it is, and it is so simple. And, and, and having that experience actually means that I have helped so many people, especially belly dancers, have gone, oh, my hips hurt on the side. And I'm like, oh, well, we just need to stretch this, move that, and then do this exercise. Like, it's gone. <laughs> It's that it can when you know what you're doing, it can be really simple. Something that causes you so much grief can end up being such a simple answer and easy to fix. As, with all the dancers that you've worked with over the years, do you find there are certain moves that people are cheating or that tend to cause more pain than others? Like just you know, in in your own experience. Mm. Um, usually spinal movements. So because we have so many bones in our spine and because our lumbar spine, which is our lower back spine, those um, vertebral bodies are bigger than up in the thoracic and the cervical spine. So the mid back, upper back and the neck. And because those uh, bones in the lower spine are not connected by cartilage to the ribs, like many of the other bones are, they've got a lot more movement in them. So you can do back bends easily from the lower back, um, twisting movements, all those types of movements. And what people tend to do is they just go, the movement just goes straight into the lower back, even if they're trying to get the movement in their upper or the mid back. And they're just cheating and they're just going, you know, slam, slam, slam into those lower bones in the spine without elongating and taking the rest of the spine into account. And so, so many dancers just kind of go, straight back into a back bend without really working the whole spine. And that can lead to wear and tear on those joints because it's that repetitive movement. And aesthetically, it doesn't look as nice as that sense of elongation as you go back into a back bend. So I find that a lot of dancers need um, pelvic floor strength, big mm -hmm. one, hips, hip stabilizing strength and um, spinal mobility. And just because you're flexible on your spine doesn't mean you're kind of doing it right. <laughs> for those joints I am not flexible in my spine at all I have to work on it daily um and so I think that the the hypermobile dancers can sometimes have more issues than the stiff dancers because it's so easy for them but they're just relying on that flexibility and they often lack the strength to support the joint and therefore they can be more uh, it, it can be more likely for them to wear out those joints over time than, than the stiff dancers. So, yeah, you've got to, got to watch out for those hypermobile dancers <laughs> that I'm not. 
one of <laughs> my five-year-old is though she's like a noodle <laughs> that's you know and I all the people I've known who are like hyper flexible it's the it's the dancers that did start very early in gymnastics in ballet and who were pushed to kind of keep that flexibility mm-hmm. and I, I'll always remember like going to a yoga class with one of them and having her have to be so conscious of going too far into any pose because she needed to make sure that the, she was supporting herself with like the mm-hmm. strength that she had instead of just relying on you know her flexibility to get her places that she really shouldn't be going yes and it's not just about muscle strength it's not about building up the bulk of the muscle and like going look I can lift this heavy weight it, it's about um making sure that the supporting the stabilizing muscles of each joint are functional, not just muscle bulk. It's not just about being strong. You can, you notice that people that practice Pilates don't have those bulky muscles because, but they're still very strong. It's that long Mm. lean kind of ballet muscle um, because it's all about that function. And it's not about the aesthetics or building up bulky strength by just doing repetitive movements. It's all about functionality, which is a word that has popped up a lot today. (laughs) (laughs) So if you, you know, dancers are listening to this, they're going to go practice later. What is, mm-hmm. what is something you would have them really pay attention to while they're in their practice today? Something that would help them become more aware or, you know, start moving into the space of, of mm. being safe within their practice. What is something you would have them do? I think the very first thing to do is become more aware about how the movements are feeling to you. Does it feel good? Does it feel strained? Does it feel forced? Or does it feel natural? So I often have, if I've done a really good Pilates session, I often feel like I have air flowing through my joints, Mm -hmm. right? If I do some sort of exercise that my body doesn't love, like it doesn't like going to the gym and lifting heavy weights. Um, See, it's just funny because my body loves that. Its bodies are so weird. They're so different. Hates it. My osteopath is like, stop doing that. Like, but, but, um, and then, or if I attend a dance class that has an inadequate warm up, my body feels horrible. It just feels yuck. So tune in to how it feels. Stop looking in the mirror. How does it feel to you? Just even a simple movement. Don't worry about how it looks like. Become more body aware. I think that's the first step. And that's, it's so hard to do because we're so focused on the movement that we're oh, yes. getting, quote unquote, getting it right, right. That we're not focusing on the feeling of it like that. I don't feel like a lot of us are taught to uh, take the feeling of the movement into account when we're deciding whether or not we're doing it right or wrong. Yes, definitely. And I think that that's something I have learned a lot recently because I don't have that technical ability that I had when I was younger before I had my children. And so I've, I've focused more about Um, connection to the music connection to my emotions and connection to does it feel good in my body and it doesn't look quite as spectacular as it used to but a lot of my colleagues say that they enjoy my dancing much more now that I'm feeling it more than I did when I was all about technique (laughs) yeah it's spectacular in a different way yes definitely awesome Prue thank you so much for coming on the podcast for sharing your knowledge with us and your story Can you tell people who are interested in learning more about the Dance Safe Project, about Anatomy for Belly Dancers, how do they find you online? How do they connect with Mm -hmm. you? How can they become part of the circle? Yeah, great. Well, um, you can find the Dance Safe Project on Instagram. 
you can find the Dance Safe Project on Facebook and you can go to my website, which is thedancesafeproject.com. And you can find all the links there to um, my online uh, membership program, which is not just anatomy, but it's all about safe dance practices in warm-ups, cool-downs, um, so many different topics. Um, I'm adding new things every two to three weeks and it's building, building, building to a, a big uh, repertoire of safe dance practice resources specifically for belly dancers. Fantastic. So I have one last question for you before we sign off today. Over the past 18 months, it's been hard, right? COVID and yep. lockdowns and all of the things have been difficult. So we're taking a, a moment to bring some positivity to people about all of this time. What would you say is the most positive dance experience you've had over the past 18 months? Oh, gosh. Um, I think being able to access teachers from all across the world from my home has just been incredible. I've been able to participate in some brilliant workshops, which has just been so much fun. And also um, just I think COVID has actually given me the the space, the ability, the being forced to learn more technical skills. <laughs> um, and, and, and so COVID has given me the opportunity to create the dance project. I think it might have happened eventually, but I, I really think that if, if that hadn't have happened, I would be so sort of caught up in the world of, of family and just, just doing my thing that I don't think it would have happened as it has happened. So being able to access dancers from across the world, especially when it's a recorded session, so I can do it any time that suits me and don't have to get up at three in the morning. Um, right, because your time zone is not, doesn't work with the US and Europe a lot of the time. No, <laughs> and, and being able to, yeah, to create the Dance Safe Project. And being able to, to be able to bring that to dancers across the world. I think the fact that dancers are having to take ourselves online to to train to learn to connect to watch I think has almost in a sense brought us closer together I, I have made more connection to dancers than I would have had I not been stuck in my house on the internet <laughs> and I just love that <laughs> silver linings Awesome. Prue, yep. thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for creating the Dance Safe Project and, and taking the time to put all of this together for dancers, because it really is an invaluable resource for them to kind of jump into this type of learning, which can be, uh, I think, quite a, quite a daunting prospect. Like if you go yes. out into the world and you're like, okay, I want to like learn more to help my students, or I want to learn more to help myself. And you don't, you know, as a, as a person who comes up in the belly dance space, you don't necessarily know about kinesthetics and how it works and anatomy and how do you jump into the right course or how to do that. So I feel like this is a really good bridge for people. And I really appreciate you putting it together. Thank, thank you so much for having me. And, and I think that, um, um, yeah, that's my aim with the Dance Safe Project to make it easily accessible and easy to understand. And so that everybody can have the opportunity to learn more about their body and how it moves. Awesome. Everybody, thank you so much for your time today and for listening. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Are you excited to hop into Anatomy for Belly Dancers? I know I'll be over here geeking out about it as soon as the bundle is over this year. 
You can find all of Prue and the Dance Safe Project social media links at thebellydancebundle.com slash 71. Especially for those of us who are teachers, this is such an amazing subject to study and grow so that we can better serve our students and be sure that we're taking care of not only our own bodies, but guiding people in doing the same with their own. I can't wait to jump into the 2021 bundle with all of you. Thank you.